Welcome to The Portable Pastor, a podcast of relevant biblical teaching, linking ancient truth with today's challenges. Each week, Pastor Mike will share God's Word to help you and remind you that God is pro-you. So download the outline from fbcclover.life and get ready to hear today's teaching. Here's Pastor Mike. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the Portable Pastor Podcast. I'm Mike Stafford, the Portable Pastor, and I want to bring you another teaching from God's Word. Today, I want to look at the topic of of a common practice that's been contradicting the biblical view of marriage for for thousands of years. Today, I want to look at divorce. Let's look at the, the facts in our culture first. The good news is, is that the divorce rate is decreasing. That is really good news. Now, I've read the studies... In 2022, it says that we can we can expect the divorce rate to be around 44%. I can remember times when it was up to 50 and above. And so it's a little bit lower now. Maybe that's because the, you know, the last few years, the pandemic years that, you know, divorce was kind of put on hold, those filings were delayed. Maybe it, that maybe that accounts for some of the decrease. Another reason for a lower divorce rate might be because uh, you know people aren't getting married there's a lower marriage rate in our in our country the data shows that there was a dramatic decline in marriage certificates that were filed during covid-19 right and it's picked up some but not a lot. One site said that given that we can't afford a wedding or or we have a, an unstable job uh, those those things ranked high on the reasons why today's singles are not not getting married. Thirdly, the practice of cohabitation without marriage is at an all time high. People are just choosing to live together. They're, they're living like they're married when they're actually not. They're 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 not getting married. They're just I guess just pretending. They're they're playing house in an adult world. So the divorce rate is down, but still, six point one people will choose to marry this year, and 2.7 of them are estimated to get a divorce. Wow, that, that's a lot. According to gotquestions.com, for those who are active in the church, the divorce rate was, was 27 to 50% lower for non-church goers, depending on, on what statistics that, that you read. But those who, who simply just call themselves Christians, they don't actively engage with, with, you know, the people of faith, that they're actually 20% more likely than the general population to get divorced. That is a, a telling statistic right there. It is, it is dangerous to play Christianity. Anyway, so, so divorce, in spite of, in spite of fewer people getting married, is still a huge problem. Again, this year, almost 40, 40, 44% of all marriages are expected to end in divorce. That's a problem. Well, why, why is this the case? Well, I think the culture is just such a, a low view of Scripture. I mean, the Bible, the, the Bible gives us a clear direction on marriage, and it's being ignored. Marriage, marriage is under assault. We know that. Cohabitation, same-sex marriages, and divorce, they're all attacks on the biblical worldview of marriage. And they're gaining ground, and they're winning many, many battles. Well, Jesus had something to say about this. He talked about divorce in the Sermon on the Mount. So turn again to Matthew chapter 5 if you're not driving. And, and let's look at this. Jesus, Jesus, remember, he, he's been addressing the wrong teachings and the customs. Uh, he, he, taught, 
he had the correct teaching about adultery and murderous anger, and, and now he's going to turn his attention to divorce. And in doing so, by the way, he, he equates the severity of divorce with adultery and murder. Evidently, evidently you know, divorce was, was a big problem. It was just as easy in those days as it is now. And the Pharisees taught that if you grew tired of your wife, you could just simply write her a certificate of divorce and send her on her way. Now that, that was expressed by the Pharisees. They taught what Moses taught, and Moses had given them this rule. Now Jesus is going to fix this teaching by these Pharisees who were mistaken in understanding what Moses meant. So let's look at what Jesus says. Look at Matthew chapter 5, 31 and 32. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except for the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. I want to point out to you three things about divorce in this teaching. The first is that that Moses created a command. Verse 31 says, It was also said, Whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. Wow. Moses had set up this rule about certificates of divorce because men were finding, finding any reason to dismiss, their, to dismiss their wives, you know, and get, get, get another and just leave their first wife out in the cold with no freedom to remarry, no, no one to provide for her, no hope for the future. But if they had a certificate of divorce, then another man could marry them. Remember, a wife living without a husband in those days was, was like just being at the bottom of the social ladder. I mean, they were the absolute bottom. So Moses sets up this rule because men had hard hearts and they treated women horribly. Men were taking wives, dismissing them, taking and then taking back their former wives again. It was just a, a very loose, it was a sinful sexual practice. And so this is why Moses wrote in Deuteronomy 24, 1 through 4, When a man takes a wife and marries her, if then she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her and he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her on out of the house and she departs out of the house and if she goes and becomes another man's wife and the latter man hates her and writes a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of the house or if, if the latter man dies who took her to be his wife, then her former husband who sent her away may not take her again to be his wife after she has been defiled, for that is an abomination before the Lord. And you shall not bring sin upon the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance. Moses Moses didn't want men to treat women like, like a hobby, like a possession. You know, they, they were to take a wife for life. Now, Jesus commented on this on another occasion when he, and it's recorded, it's recorded in, in Mark chapter 10, when again, he addresses the Pharisees. This is what it says in verses two through nine. And the Pharisees came up in order to test him and said, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And he asked them, what did Moses command you? And they said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this command. 
But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Moses Moses created a command to protect the rights of women, and he put some restraints on this sinful practice of divorce and remarriage and divorce and remarriage. See, Jesus, Jesus refers to this at the beginning of this teaching. Okay. Then secondly, Jesus critiqued the custom. Jesus taught that divorce causes the new man and the woman in the new marriage to commit adultery. Look at Matthew 5.32 again. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of his sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. This makes sense. If, if intimacy is reserved for marriage and marriage is for life, then any additional intimacy outside of that marriage is adultery. And adultery is a no-no. We just learned that. We read that Jesus preached on that topic two, two weeks ago. Maybe this is why... God spoke through the, the prophet Malachi in his writings. In Malachi 2.16, um, is, is, this is written, For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless. Maybe your version has that phrase, I hate divorce, says the Lord. That is an interpretation there. Either way, God makes an emphatic statement here. Divorce is equivalent to murder, and I hate murder. He compares unwarranted divorce to the act of murder by using the mental picture of of the splattering of blood on the killer's clothes. So Jesus critiques this custom. And we make it so simple, don't we? We, We've we've passed laws like like no-fault divorce in in our legal system. Some say that sex, uh, that, that same-sex marriage is the worst assault ever on, on the family. I, I disagree. I think it was the passing of the no-fault divorce laws that was the worst defeat on the family. Now, anyone can treat their marriage completely opposite of what the Bible teaches, and, and families can divide at the simplest whim with no, well, at least little consideration of the consequences. Again, in Mark 2, 8 through 9, Jesus expresses God's intention for marriage, and the two shall become one flesh. One flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. And therefore, whatever God has joined together, let no man separate. Jesus critiqued the custom, the cultural norm of the day. So we learned that Moses created a command because of the hard hearts of the people. And we learned that Jesus critiqued the culture that saw divorce as a simple and acceptable act. Now let's see the Bible clarifies the conditions. The Bible clarifies the conditions. Jesus himself made an allowance for divorce. What did, what did he teach in Matthew 5.32? But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife except on the ground of sexual immorality makes her commit adultery. And whoever divorces, whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Jesus taught that there is a circumstance in which divorce can occur, adulterous sexual sin. Paul lists another, abandonment of an unbeliever. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 10 through 16. To the married I give this charge, not I, but the Lord. The wife should not separate from her husband. 
But if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband, and her husband should not divorce his wife. To the rest I say, I, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. For now, or for how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? There's a lot of teaching in there. But let me just, for the sake of time, just summarize. Verses 10 and 11 are a reiteration of what Jesus has already taught. Okay, in the words written there, you know, separation and divorce, they're, they're synonyms. They're synonyms in this context. We're told already by Christ that divorce is not acceptable to God unless adultery is involved. That's, that's why he said, not I, but the Lord in that first verse. Then Paul goes on to say something not contradictory to the teaching of Christ, but simply not mentioned by Christ. If an unbelieving spouse wants to leave, the marriage vows should be, should be, um, if, if an unbelieving spouse wants to stay. That's what I meant to say. If they want to stay, the marriage vows, they have to be honored. Maybe the lost spouse and, and children will be will, will become believers by the, the saved spouse's example. We don't know. So that's got to be honored. But if they want to leave, the believing spouse is free from the rules of the union. They're no longer enslaved by the marriage vows. A divorce is tolerated in this case. So the Bible clarifies the conditions for divorce. Marriage is for life, except for in the instances of adultery or abandonment. Well, are, are there others? A lot of people have a lot of questions. All I can say is that, is that there are not any other situations specifically mentioned in the Bible. You know, the most common ones are, but what about spousal abuse or child abuse or addiction to, you know, pornography or drugs or, or gambling or alcohol or something? Well, these are not addressed in the Bible as tolerated grounds for divorce by God. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that, that none of them are grounds for divorce, which God would tolerate. It just means that the Bible's silent on this. For example, you know, would, would God make someone stay in a spousal abuse or child abuse situation? I, I don't think so. If this is the case, then, then a wife should definitely separate herself and her children from that abusive man. Now, that doesn't automatically equate to divorce. I mean, separation is the appropriate remedy for, for this immediate problem. Now, now, if he refuses to stop, if, is, you know, if he, he says, I'm not going to stop abusing you. If, you, if you're living with me, I'm, I'm always going to be angry with you. Is, is divorce tolerated by God in that situations? In that situation? I, again, the, the scriptures are silent on this matter. But I can say with authority that divorce should be sought only after much time and much prayer. Remember, God may tolerate it, but he's still going to hate it. 
And the abuse should should be in, in earnest prayer about this. Weirdly, the the abuser's death may just be the answer to your prayers. <laughs> because at death, we know all marriage vows are, are null and void. Listen to Romans 7, 2, and 3. For a married woman is bound to her bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she can be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. In this case, you know, no divorce is needed at death. Now, now let's be honest. A lot of these questions, many of these questions... In most cases are are about it's it's not about you know God's tolerance of divorce it's about living the rest of your life out alone see most people who seek a divorce for for whatever reason eventually would like to remarry again and live out their life with a loving spouse so the real question on people's mind is not just can I get a God approved divorce it is am I am I free in God's eyes to remarry See, remarrying is, is a real moral issue that Jesus talked about. I mean, what did he say? To remarry, except in the case of adultery, is adultery. Wow. There, there are some who would say if, if God allows divorce, he must allow them to remarry. And they would say that adultery tears the two who have become one apart and introduces a third person into the union. They would say that that abandonment is one-sided and God would not punish the one with the solitary life for the sins of the other since neither case is, is what God had intended for them nor the other, you know, what the other spouse agreed to. God gives leniency here to the innocent spouse and, and they would argue they are free to remarry. Others say just because you're free to divorce, that doesn't mean you're free to remarry. You made vows to God to be intimate only with that person and no one else ever again. You must be true to your promises to God. Now, I just, I, I want to tell you, both are valid points and neither are clearly stated in the scriptures. Now, I tend to fall on the side of if God tolerates a divorce, then he's going to allow remarriage. After all, I mean, he said it's not good for man to be alone, but I understand because God is gracious. That doesn't necessarily mean the divorce has to be a certainty. There, there can be forgiveness. There can be rebuilding of trust. Grace and forgiveness can win the day and probably should. But there must be a long-term effort extended for these godly qualities. But if not, if there's no remorse for sin and no trust can be rebuilt after adultery or abandonment, then I hold that divorce and remarriage is an option for for the innocent one. So here's where I've landed. After after you know I, I examined the teaching of Jesus and the writings of Paul, I, I looked at them for myself and and I contemplated this topic, and I had to, by the way, because because it's very, very close to me, I've come to this conclusion about divorce and remarriage. Divorce should never be treated lightly because God hates it. And he has the the power to heal any marriage. And the Bible is clear. Adultery and abandonment are the only biblical grounds for divorce that are tolerated by God. The only biblical grounds for divorce tolerated by God. 
all other reasons that are just not expressly stated in Scripture. So divorce should only happen after all efforts to forgive and rebuild trust are completely exhausted. And if God sets you free from the enslaved vows of marriage, then you're free to remarry. That's where I've landed. And God may still deal with me on that, but that's what I understand. And you might say, we, you know, but Mike, we, we've been divorced and, and we're, we're remarried. We, we're not with our former spouses. We're with each other now. What do we do? Is this a constant sin that we're in now? I would say repent of that, that sin of divorce. If your divorce was not based on a, a biblical grounds for divorce, the ones that are tolerated by God, repent of that sin and never commit that sin again. That, that is repentance. You turn from whatever you're doing and, and you try to never do that again. Never commit that sin again. Stay faithful to your new spouse. Be true to your current spouse until death occurs. Start today, right now. Our marriage will glorify God. God, forgive me for the sins of the past and starting today, I will glorify you in my marriage and I will stick it out with this person. Be true to your current spouse until death occurs. Then, then glorify God in your marriage. Continue to build a godly marriage. Well, I hope that at least clarifies some the biblical stance on, divor- on divorce. Let, let me just close by saying this. How, how, serious, how serious is God about sticking it out in marriage, if at all possible? Okay, How serious is he about that? Well, he, he compared marriage to the relationship between Christ and the church in Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. I mean, he, he tells them, you know, wives submit to your husbands and husbands love your wives just like, you know, the, the church submits to Christ and, and Christ loves the church. He, he compares them. And he, and he says that, you know, people leave mother and they leave father and, and they join together and they become one flesh. That's what Ephesians 5, 22 says. So love your wife and respect your husband. You see, Christ loved the church. He died for us. He protects his own. He's never going to leave a Christian. Marriage should strive for the same commitment. That's what the scriptures teach. And I hope that gives you some, some foundation to fight for your marriage and make divorce a, a last, a last move. Put your effort in, put your time in, try to preserve your marriage today. Well, I I do hope that helps and I hope that's an encouragement to you to do what's right. I know that's tough teaching. I know it seems to be unfair sometimes, but that's what God says. And it, it seems to be unfair because it's twisted. We've messed it all up with our sin. And it's hard to accept the, the black and white truth of the scripture because all existence is sort of perverted and twisted and we can't see it in black and white. But God can and that's what he said. Let me pray for you and I'm gonna cut you loose today. Father, I thank you for this teaching. It's hard. It's hard teaching. And marriage is hard. You know, marriage is hard and we do things to, to you know, divide divide ourselves, to put wedges in our relationships. You but you said we're to work through that. Just like, just like you work through that in our sanctification, being a part of the church and Christ loves the church, you work through that. Help us to do the same. Help us to seek divorce 
as a last option and to, and to advocate for eternal uh, or a lifelong marriage. Father, I'm asking you to work this in us. Thank you for the teaching and we'll praise you in our marriages today in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I hope that, hope that helps and we'll come back next week with another teaching from the Sermon on the Mount. So we'll, we'll uh, check back with you next Thursday or Friday. Well, have a great day. Be blessed. And remember, Christian, remember, if you're walking with the Lord, He is very much pro you. Thanks for listening to the Portable Pastor Podcast. Pastor Mike serves as pastor at the First Baptist Church in Clover, South Carolina. FBC Clover is a church that focuses on loving God, loving people, and making disciples. For more information about our church and our ministries, or to make an online donation, go to fbcclover.com or email us at fbcclover at gmail.com. Until next time, be blessed. And remember, God is pro-you.